This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us and for following Working Like Dogs on Instagram and Facebook. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my amazing service dog, Lovey. And we're excited to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today, we're welcoming Paul Hammond to the show. And Paul is president at Cargo Screening Canine, and he's responsible for lots of things there, including brand management, strategic development, quality assurance, and quality control. And prior to that, Paul successfully managed many of the world's largest canine programs during his 28 years in the working dog industry. And he's widely recognized as an industry leader in the use and deployment of explosive canine detection teams. He has lots of experience both domestically and internationally that he's going to be sharing with us today. So we've got lots of good questions for Paul. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Paul Hammond to the show. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're so happy to have Paul Hammond with us today. Hello, Paul, and welcome. Hello there. How are you? Doing well? Yeah, we're great, and we're so excited you could be with us today because, boy, when I think of working dogs, I think of the kind of serious canines that you work with, Paul, because you're working with these amazing dogs that are providing all kinds of military work and safety work around the globe. So tell us about your company and how you got started training canine detection teams. Sure. Well, I mean, of course, the, the working dog industry is a very vast industry, as we all know, but I'm kind of at the pointy end of the uh, industry in regards to uh, we're really um, out there trying to make the world a safer place. And, you know, I'm very fortunate in my 28 years in working dog career to have uh, been deployed all over the world to Northern Ireland uh, with the British Army Dog Unit there and battling wits against uh, the terrorist organizations. Of course, Northern Ireland was infamous for domestic terrorism there. Iraq and Afghanistan, where I spent seven years supporting and managing uh, canine programs for the U.S. Department of Defense and the U.S. Department of State. Very challenging but different type of, of working environment. So, you know, from the 
from the sharp end um, in the trenches, so to speak, for 20 years, I've certainly seen my fair share of, of action, but at the same time, and more importantly, I've come to understand how valuable these canine assets are for us, not just as a amazing detection tool, of course, detecting every type of explosives that we imprint into the dog's olfactory, depending on threats, but an amazing deterrent value that they bring. Um, and I've seen that firsthand around the world in various war zones of just the deterrent value alone of having a highly trained working dog there brings to the operational table. And finally, the feel-good factor. You know, it's very underestimated, the feel-good factor around troops and around law enforcement and, and civilians as well, knowing that our four-legged furry friends are protecting us there gives us a, a real good feel-safe factor. And in fact, in Iraq, we utilized our explosive detection dogs. We dual trained them as therapy dogs on the side, two or three of the dogs, because the American military hospital was right next to us, of course, with some seriously injured soldiers and locals and local children that the dogs kind of reminded them at home. So we use those dogs in the therapy aspect as well. So detection, deterrent and therapy, I've seen it, it all over the last 28 years and um, I, I'm very blessed to be in this career. Wow, that's so cool. I did not know that detection dogs could be dual trained as therapy dogs as well. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't think it's a standard practice, but when you're in a war zone and, right. you've, got, and you've got a lot of sick and injured people there, when they're off duty, it was just a, a blessing for us to be able to, uh, you know, actually the, the US military does actually have a therapy dog program and we had to get a, a military vet to sign off on the program. So we did have to do a little bit of work, but we just choose the two biggest softies that were in the kennel. There were two English Springer Spaniels that we had there working vehicle search for explosive detection, two big softies at heart, and they just breezed through the test. And uh, it was <laughs> such a great program for us, you know. Oh, I love that. And I'm sure that the dogs loved it too. That's so fun. Wow. That, wow. And like you said, so meaningful. That's, I love that. That's great. Lovey is actually dual trained as a service dog and a therapy dog. And it's different Skills. Yeah, it definitely Absolutely. is. So. Absolutely. Yeah, so working cool. dogs continue to amaze me, in, you know, in any discipline. You know, just the intelligence of the dogs, the olfactory, of course, is absolutely fantastic. You know, you know, we typically look at um, working dogs with an olfactory threshold of around 125 million cent cells to 300, 350 million cent cells in their olfactory. And we typically look around the 220 million mark. You know, we're looking for those Labradors, um, natural retrieving breeds. We're looking for German Shepherds or Belgian Malinois or the English Springer Spaniel, for example. You know, in and around that 200 plus mark uh, million cent cells with the right intelligence and boldness and natural agility and fitness levels and of course natural hunt drives and so on they kind of have, have worked very well for our detection dogs in the detection industry and of course 220 million cent cells compared to our human 5 million cent cells some 40 times greater it's no wonder that they're leading the the team in most yeah cases. absolutely well and so do you breed the dogs does your program breed them or where do you get the dogs from 
We do. We have the ability to do both, breed internally and uh, also as vendors, as well as being, as you mentioned, the president of CS Canine or the Cargo Screening Canine Alliance, which is an organization that was formed to meet demand domestically in the U.S., uh, screening all cargo, which was historically screened by TSA. I also am the president of VW Canine, which is a worldwide company that you know does various disciplines of detection and apprehension dogs around the world. And in the VW Canine capacity, we have an exclusive relationship with Auburn University's Canine Science Program. And of course, their infamous breeding program supports that exclusive relationship. Uh, we have a very special type of dog uh, called a vapor wake dog. And these dogs are specially trained over an 18 month period. They are genetically bred by Auburn University scientists. They are mostly Labradors for all the reasons and traits that I, I explained. They spend the first 12 months of their lives being environmentally and socially conditioned in the Auburn program, then into uh, prison programs that are serviced by and supervised by Auburn University. So the dog is shown a lot of different environments, a lot of uh, tough social environments, a lot of noise, a lot of distractions, because these dogs are ultimately, after 12 months, going to come into our at our VW Canine Academy in Anniston, Alabama here, and they're going to undergo a patented training process to become body-worn explosive dogs. These Vaporwake dogs, which is the trademark name for these body-worn explosive detection dogs, you know, are very cutting edge. You know, it's, it's another six months of training once they get here, but these dogs, we take their olfactory sensitivity and threshold down to parts per trillion in detecting particles. And we teach the dogs to search the heat plume left behind pedestrians and fans as they walk towards their favorite arenas, stadiums, mega churches, you know, in the streets and so on. And they're actually screening them for possible possession of body worn explosives. And, um, the current threat in the United States and in the West and worldwide at this minute in time just happens to be body-worn explosives. When you looked at uh, the attacks in Paris and the attacks in Belgium, Manchester, UK, even Boston Marathon here in the United States, where they, the two pressure cooker bombs were walked in to the finish line area, left statically and detonated, there is a, a huge threat at this minute in time for body-worn attacks. And these very special vapor wake dogs are at the cutting edge and exclusive to us with our partnership with Auburn University. And they truly are uh, making the world a safer place in, in able to screen people in masses in transit, non-obtrusively, and detect the most minute amounts of explosive particles and follow to source. So very cutting edge stuff. And we're very proud of that relationship with Auburn University as well. Wow, that is cutting edge. And that's so interesting that Auburn is embraced that um, because it sounds like it's almost like a, I mean, it's a puppy raising program, literally breeding and raising. So how did you get that relationship going with them? Yeah, well, you know, in 2001, uh, Richard Reed, the shoe bomber, some of you, your viewers may remember, that really was a catalyst for a lot of government canine programs and those uh, civilian and private sector 
canine programs, commercial programs that are in the detection world, and particularly explosive detection. You know, how did this guy get as far as he did with explosives in his shoe, you know, and so forth and so on. So that that put us all on edge uh, in the security world because we immediately went out and started taking our traditional bomb dogs, which are traditionally taught to search static objects for explosive devices, and suddenly put a smaller amount and transit it past the dog. And we suddenly realized that these dogs of ours, uh, although some of them picked up on minute explosive particles in the air, they would immediately go and look to the nearest productive area, which they've been taught, and the bomber would carry on walking by. So we had to really develop a program specifically for moving explosives and small quantities, i.e. body-worn explosives. And Auburn University Canine Science Program, along with TSA, were really at the forefront of some of the development and techniques. You know, the old traditional methods of teaching explosive detection dogs or narcotics detection dogs to search people have been around for many decades. But that is an intrusive search and it is a static search where you position people in a certain funnel and have the dogs go up within a certain distance. That doesn't work for mass screening. So Auburn University spent many, many years finalizing and, and testing all these different theories before they came up with the thermal heat plume theory, where basically many, many people could walk, transit, the dog would simply do a traverse across all their heat plumes, sampling the air, only focused on the heat and air and not seeing them as a productive area, detect my, minute particles in the air, turn and follow to source. Auburn were the catalyst behind body-worn explosive detection in the U.S. and have been at the forefront ever since. They were looking for a commercial partner three, four years ago take this vaporweight technology to the world and we're very fortunate that VWK9 and CSK9 exclusively partnered with them to do exactly that. Wow, that was a great, great opportunity for both of you. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Well, and so what about, so they actually breed the dogs for the specific ability and then you get them for six months and then you work with clients to place them based on your working relationship with other entities like law enforcement? You're absolutely right. You know, these uh, vaporweight dogs, they're all over the world now. And even though the process is very long, as I mentioned, in, in most cases, up to 18 months of work behind each one of these dogs before they certify with their dog handler, their new dog handler, there are over 130 vaporweight dogs currently active right now in the United States and around the world. Major police organizations like NYPD Counterterrorism Unit, Chicago PD, LAPD, big large police departments have access and have these vaporweight dogs, as well as other government agencies, the National Rail Police, Amtrak, have a, a very large you know, body-worn explosive detection vaporweight program, over 30 vaporweight dogs in their program. We also started the TSA's passenger screening program here in the United States uh, in 2010 and 2011 with the first 40 odd of vaporweight dogs deployed with them. And basically, we're using their personnel, their law enforcement officers and their staff, bringing them to our academy, already having pre-trained vaporweight dogs, which have been through 18 months of training, go into a stock holding location in our kennels and in our facility and maintained. The dog handler, the law enforcement officer or the military personnel or the government contractor comes in, is paired with that dog, 
and then they undergo seven weeks of very intense training and then at the end of that seven weeks they certify as a vaporweight dog handler and then they can go forth and and fight the fight against body-worn explosive detection and in fact we've used in this same technology now that was developed by Auburn University and is patented to also produce vaporweight weapons detection dogs so we're adding weapons to these dogs so they can serve in our school systems okay and of course the active shooter threat in the United States is incredibly high risk at this minute in time and these vaporweight School safety dogs, as we call them, are playing an important role, as I mentioned earlier, for the deterrent value and the detection value against would-be active shooters that may want to do harm in the schools. Yeah. Well, we are going to just stop right there for just a second, Paul. Um, We have to hear some really important messages from our sponsors who we love, but we definitely want to come back. And I have some questions for you based on what you just shared with us, specifically about the handlers. So hold that thought and you guys stay right where you are. Listen to these messages and we'll be right back. DGP is an all-natural formula proven to help aging pets with joint and mobility problems. It goes to work quickly, providing vital nutrients to the joints while reversing the effects of age. Some people see results in as little as seven days. Don't let your dog struggle another day. Call 800-521-0543 or visit dgpforpets.com and enter the code WORK, W-O-R-K, for 25% off your first order and free shipping. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we are visiting with Paul Hammond today from Cargo Screening K9. And he was talking with us before the break about the incredible training that these amazing dogs are are getting, how they're bred for this work. And you were talking about the handlers and how they come in and will work with these dogs for seven-week intense training. And do they do that, Paul, there where you are in Alabama? Or do you do that in other places in the country or the world? Yeah, most of the uh, dog training happens at our 320-acre academy in Anniston, Alabama, because the academy is set up with auditoriums, various uh, classrooms, um, explosives are here, easily accessible. We're with our ATF licensed bunker and so forth, and we have IED threat rooms to teach the students the latest types of devices from body-worn devices to timer power unit devices to radio-controlled activated devices. So the academy is really set up for a learning environment and a higher education environment to the handlers. That being said, um, there are occasions where some of our clients you know, request that we come to their location to conduct a dog handling course. Uh, for example, more recently, we just conducted the first vaporweight body-worn explosive detection dog course in South Africa, where they had six students that were wanting to uh, become vaporweight certified to protect the international airports in Cape Town, Durban, and Johannesburg. So we sent a team over 
from our US Academy to Johannesburg. And we obviously worked with those guys and the military who supplied all the live explosives for our course. And we put on a very successful course, which was our first uh, international dog course in South Africa, which we're very proud of. Of course, the instructors didn't have too hard a time in a beautiful South African uh, country and got to see all the safaris and so on. So uh, it wasn't too hard. We also did the same for the New York Police Department because the environment in New York is so busy and so diverse and environmentally challenging, it makes sense for us to train the dog handlers in that environment to expose the dogs even further environmentally and socially in that operating environment, and then actually to certify them in that environment because it's very challenging. So there are occasions when um, it makes sense to teach the course externally, but in most instances, the academy here in Anniston is set up perfectly for that. Yeah, well, I'm sure that you are in high demand with these new abilities and new techniques that these dogs are are using. So I'm sure that law enforcement all over the United States and the world are are calling you and trying to get access to these these additional tools that they can add to their departments. Most definitely, you know, not just the vapor wake dogs uh, for body worn explosive detection, but also. You know, traditional bomb dogs are in huge demand as well, because obviously the threat of statically placed bombs is very real. We send a lot of dogs to Iraq and Afghanistan to support government contracts, uh, U.S. government contracts, as well as local contracts and oil and gas commercial contracts. You know, there are many, many places in those war zones that need protecting. So we send a lot of explosive detection dogs over there. And of course, we have a very robust and large law enforcement program, which sees uh, mostly dual purpose dogs in apprehension and narcotics detection being the primary focus, along with having a tracking capability in article search as a fully multi-purpose law enforcement canine. Uh, So there's a very large law enforcement program that we have here at the academy supporting all the law enforcement over the nation. We also train a lot of special forces, not just in the US, but also Canada, for example, Canadian special forces and so forth would come to us for their dogs. So, but they're looking for a very high end tier one type of dog. So every client is different. And uh, we at VWK9 and CSK9, we like to encompass all types of working dogs. And of course, we have a robust staff of over 30 trainers and instructors here at the academy training 80 to 100 dogs on a daily basis here at the academy. Tell us what you mean by tier one dog. What does that mean? So a tier one dog, we're typically looking for certain traits, whether it be in a dog that's for patrol or apprehension. You know, uh, we're also looking for certain prey drives and so on. We're also looking for various hunting drives and so forth and very robust ability at endurance levels, intelligence levels, fitness levels and so forth. A certain boldness for the dog. We have a very complex procurement and selection testing that we do. In fact, it's, it's over 30 individual tests from startling the dog and see how he recovers and so forth and so on. You know, we would test dogs over a three to five day period and we would rate them on a scoring system for each single discipline on how they behaved, how they reacted, how they recovered in most instances would get them a certain percentage pointage. And when we talk about tier one, 
We're talking about a dog that is ticked all the boxes and some. Very, very high end, um, an absolute rock star, as we call it here. That's the type of dog that um, these guys in the special forces that really are operating in harm's way on a daily basis in complex operational situations around the world. That's what they deserve. uh, And that's what we provide. Yeah, they have to have it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so tell us about the handlers. What do you think are the most important traits of a good handler? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, when we provide our services to the nation, we typically internally are looking for prior military, prior law enforcement, prior security backgrounds, only in the first instance because there's a natural search awareness that they've already been taught. And of course, most of our handlers uh, in the explosive detection are going into the search world. So if we can get a head start on their seven week prior to their seven week dog course, where they've already had installed a natural search ability to spot the unknown and to have a sixth sense in operational scenarios, then that pays dividend for us later on. But that's not, you know, an excluding factor. Many of dog handlers come through from all walks of life and actually end up receiving our top student in class sat amongst many military and prior law enforcement. It's just one of those factors. So we're looking for some past performance in the law enforcement security industry, if possible. Uh, We're looking for a certain amount of intelligence because, you know, it's not just about dog handling and being taught to dog handle. It's also about reading scenarios, reading the situation, Mm -hmm. reading the signs in the search to best utilize your dog in its search procedures, you know. And so we're looking for a certain amount of intelligence, forward thinking from a handler. We're looking for a physical attribute as well. You know, that's very important to us um, because obviously whether it's a dog is explosive detection, whether he's walking 15 miles a day, body worn, screening people, 80,000 fans going into a stadium, you have to be very fit to do this, or whether he's tracking a suspect or running after his dog to, to apprehend and recall a suspect, having released his police dog. So there's a physical attribute as well. So that's kind of what we're looking for all round. You know, it's, it's not an ordinary job. We're looking for specialized individuals um, and that's going to represent the dog and play their part in the team. You know, there's going to be times when the dog is fresh out of his kennel. He's raring to go. He's been highly trained. He's proficient. And he's on a scale of 10 in the team. He's an eight. And then handlers can relax and be a two for 20, 30 minutes. But there's also going to be times when the search is going on and the endurance and fitness levels of the dog are starting to drop. And that eight is becoming a six and a five and a four on a scale of one to 10. And that's where the handler has to step up and take from a two to a four to a six and really assist and play his part as a team member. So Yeah. Well, I was going to say to be a team member with that kind of quality canine, they're going to have to up their game, right? (laughs) And be be really fit and be also, like you said, having those investigative and those law enforcement skills so that they have to be as sharp and, and the same kind of quality as the dog that they're a partner with. I get that. Yeah, that's exciting. That's what would make it, I'm, I'm guessing, so enticing for handlers to really want to be a part of such an elite team. Yeah. Most definitely. And, and I would also say that, you know, the working dog industry is at its pinnacle right now. Um, you know, there is such demand for working dogs in the world of security all over the world right now. You know, yeah. 
The world is not a very safe place at the minute, even more so domestically, as we've experienced here in the West with the recent bombings and so forth. Uh, the threat is very real. And demand for working dogs is just, you know, at its highest. So, we, you know, it's very difficult for us to even keep up with the amount of quality working dogs that we need to produce and the quality training. Our courses are booked up, you know, almost a year in advance. In some I bet. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying. I bet you are in such demand. Well, I know we only have a, a little bit of time left, but I did want to ask you in our last minutes, if you would, Paul, share an experience with us about one of your canine detection dogs that stands out the most in your mind as one of the most impressionable and memorable for you. Oh my goodness. I, <laughs> I think it's, it's very hard for me to choose because I've had many, many working dogs and they've all done a fantastic job. They kept me alive for, in 20 years of war zone. So I'm grateful to them all. But I think there's two instances, one in a detection world with a canine called Ken, a black Labrador, that whilst on a search, we were told that some children had uh, been discarding a coffee jar bomb, which literally looks like a glass instant coffee jar with a device inside it. And um, we thought it might be a come on to get the dog team in there to ser start searching and there'd be a larger device somewhere. So I was tasked with my dog, my trusty dog, to go forward and search for this coffee jar device. And of course, the coffee jar device is set up so it's thrown at a convoy. And when the glass hits the ground, it breaks and the springs up and connects the circuit and it detonates the explosives there and then. And the shrapnel attached to it goes out and causes injury and harm. So I am in there with my dog. My dog is off leash and I'm sending him up this road, trying to stay on the road just in case the, the soft ground, the grass and, and so on is booby trapped in any way, shape or form. I'm sending my dog on. He's about 200 yards ahead of me. And all of a sudden I see a change of behavior in the dog and head snap and off he goes into the woodland and several things come into my mind as my heart stops beating for a second <laughs> one of them is oh my goodness is this it and he's found the device the second thing is oh my goodness is he just in a rabbit and he's chasing after it and um so i give a brief pause as i start to walk backwards to create even more distance between me and the dog just in case it is a device and all of a sudden he doesn't come out uh, 10 15 seconds and i'm like oh my goodness it, it, it must be a rabbit so i give him the ken come command to get back to me and i shout it again and all of a sudden he comes springing out of the hedge and uh comes bounding back towards me and i'm trying i'm like come here get back to me 150 yards i could see he's got something in his mouth Yes. In those days, in the early 90s, we were taught, we taught our dogs to be proactive in search, not to be passive in indication. And so he decided that he was going to bring this coffee jar bomb back to me. Oh, man. And of course, <laughs> I'm stood on concrete. So I immediately ran into the wood. And of course, he thought I was playing the best game ever. And he, he immediately decided to run in after me. Uh, we kind of met in the middle. And I, as I was looking around for a soft park covered in leaves, uh, it was in the autumn and um, teeth chattering around the coffee jar. I had to reach down and calm him down and grab his collar and gently ease the coffee jar bomb out of his mouth and lift him up literally and sprint out of the woods and then call, you know, EOD in, uh, ATO, Ammunition Technical Officer in to deal with it. But um, that would be one of the hairiest moments. Of course, I've had quite a few uh, live finds in my time 
uh, up to a thousand pound bomb in, in Belfast Castle to all sorts around the world. But that was one where it was a little bit unusual to say the least. Yeah, I was going to say that's a little bit impressionable. Yeah. Wow. Well, I am so glad that you were able to be with us, Paul. It's been such a pleasure to visit with you and to hear about the incredible work that you and your canines are doing. And I'm just so glad that you are doing this work and working to keep our world safe. So thank you so much. And and before you go, though, how can our listeners get more information about you and your organization? Absolutely. You know, I thank you for the opportunity to speak with you and your listeners. And, and of course, behind every individual there uh, in their management position in the canine program, there are very, very many top quality individuals from kennel technicians looking after canine welfare, from trainers training our dogs to instructors, instructing to management, managing the operations. So I've been blessed with a very, very great team around me for, for many, many decades. But the listeners and both companies, vwk9.org, vwk9, the number nine, dot org, will help people understand the Vaporwake and the Body Worn and the various disciplines we're operating around the world. And the Cargo Screening Canine Alliance, so Cargo Screening K, the number nine dot com is all spelled in one word altogether. Cargo screening K, the number nine dot com will explain about the cargo industry and how we brought all these companies together to service the private sector, the TSA's uh, cargo screening program. Okay, excellent. And we will make those available on the site for our listeners so that they will have those links. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for being with us. And we hope you'll come back and tell us about future projects that you're working on, because I can only imagine what you and Auburn are going to be up to next. No, absolutely. And I'd love to talk in more detail. We have an event called the U.S. Canine Biathlon uh, here at our academy in Anniston, Alabama, which is the 18th and 19th of May. There will be over 1,000 dog teams coming here to take on a four-mile challenging course, uh, whether it's people with their domestic pets, search and rescue, police or military, it's, it's an event that brings everybody together over that weekend. So please let them go on and go to the usk9biathlon.com to learn about that event. And, we, and if you want to come and, and help us and take part and see the academy, that would be a good place to do it. Wow, Lovey and I may take you up on that. That sounds wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you, Paul. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us. We love to hear from you. So please keep your comments, questions, ideas coming. You know Lovey and I love to hear it. And you can reach us at Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. And you can always follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We love staying connected with you and seeing your images of your amazing working dogs. So thanks so much for being with us and take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.